Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. Oh, it's time to Ben Jarofsky show. As I speak, it's Friday, December 9th, 2022. Here's the headlines. Just a headline in the paper. Actually, on my phone, it's not in the paper. It's breaking news. Been breaking all day, all Friday. Uh, Kirsten Cinema's surprise switch. Is an epic gamble. Headline from the Washington Post, uh, Kirsten Cinema, the uh, Democratic senator, or previously Democratic senator in Arizona, uh, is officially becoming an independent. And man, I'll tell you what, if you're a political junkie, like I'm a political junkie, and I know my listeners are political junkies, and my distinguished guest who's waiting on deck to come on and talk, he's a political junkie, then you're already doing in your mind, your mind right now, figuring out what does this mean? Okay, we just literally had a midterms. We just, beyond that, had the runoff where um, uh, the Democrats were uh, victorious uh, in in Georgia, Raphael Warnock defeating, oh my goodness, Herschel Walker. How could I forget that name for a moment? I I talked about him so much, I I scared myself, and I just didn't want to say his name. Uh, But uh, Warnock defeated Walker. So Democrats were at 51 to 49. Now, Kirsten Sinema was a Democrat, she switches to uh, independent. Does that mean it's now 50, 49, 1? Yes and no, because she still plans to caucus with the Democrats. So that means the Democrats will have the 51, 49 uh, advantage, which gives them uh, the, the uh, advantage in the number of people on each committee. I know this is very complicated, but these are the rules. However, oh my goodness, let's think of the math. If another Democrat drops out, if Manchin starts giving the Democrats trouble, Joe Manchin, the Democratic senator from West Virginia, suddenly right now are, we're down what? It could be below 50. Uh, or God forbid a Democrat gets sick or die in office and they're in a state where Republicans control who the nominee is, then it would be Republicans could take advantage. So you could lose your mind 
coming up with all different scenarios for what this means. Um, I'm not going to lose my mind now. I'll say this. I think Kirsten Cinema thinks she's uh, slick. I think she's already looking forward to 2024. She's worried that the Democrats would run a candidate and beat her in the primary. So she's going to drop out of the Democratic Party, be an independent, automatically gain ballot access by virtue of her independence, and then hope to win in a three-way race. A Democrat running from the left, uh, a Republican MAGA person, and then she would be playing the, the middle. Hey, I'm the centrist in the middle. Vote for me. I'm the next John McCain. So I'll tell you what, Kirsten Cinema, she's no fool. Uh, she is playing the long game with her political career. Okay, that's what's at stake. It's not about pushing through the programs that she wants. It's not about taking care of people that MAGA is trying to destroy or what have you. It's about saving her political neck. Yeah, Kirsten Cinema is pretty slick. All right, without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce himself, uh, as we do with all shows. Uh, so, distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Mario, uh, Mario Smith. I'm at the promontory, so it's probably louder than it should be, but, uh, or, <laughs> louder than I like for it to be right now. But um, I am from Chicago, from the south side of Chicago. You and I have known each other forever. Uh, many radio spots along the way, both at Lumpen Radio right now, and uh, it's good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Mario Smith uh, had me on a show back in the day uh, at WHPK, and uh, I believe he was on my show many years ago. I was at WHPK, and I hadn't talked to Mario in a while. Mario hadn't seen you in a while, and I walked into the promontory on Tuesday uh, to do our first Tuesday show, and there was Mario. I go, you got to come on. You have to come on. Don't duck a dodge. Don't run out. the. You got to come on. He said, okay, Ben, I'll do it. Uh, and so uh, here you are. And uh, welcome to my humble little podcast, sir. I appreciate taking the time to come on. Just take a moment to introduce yourself a little further uh, uh, to our listeners. First uh, first time again on on the Ben Jarosky Show podcast. Um, you're from Chicago, south side of Chicago. And go ahead. Uh, very political. Uh, talk a little bit about your background, how you got to where you are right now. Uh, I, um, I have a radio show that's 21 years old. It'll be 22 years old next year called news from the service entrance <clears throat> recently featured in the people issue in the Chicago reader a couple of weeks ago. Um, I don't really have a, my bio is pretty simple, man. I'm a Chicagoan. I'm, I'm here until Chicago's gone. I I'm, I'm probably never leaving. And if I leave, I'll be right back. <laughs> and, uh, I, I love this city immensely. I've taught in a lot of different places. Um, I am one of the managers at the Promontory in Hyde Park. I'm a Hyde Parker, and uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm from Woodlawn. Let's not get it wrong. And I love the city, man. I love everything about it. What is it, uh, Mari, about uh, Chicago that you love so much? I have uh, folks who listen to, uh, to me talk or read my stories. I have a, what I call a love-hate relationship with the city of Chicago. Uh, now, I'm not from Chicago like you. Uh, I'm, I moved here, but I've lived here a long time. There's so many things about Chicago that infuriate me. Uh, and and uh, so it's hard for me to say just I have just unboundless love for Chicago. But you're in, the other, you're in a different direction. You, you say you love Chicago. You would live nowhere else than Chicago. So what is it about Chicago that you love so much? It's the people. It's the, the idea that on any given day, 
there's 150 things to do. It's being by the lake. Uh, it's it's uh, this crazy political climate we live in. It's it's the flaws too. It's everything. We're we're the greatest city in the world, in my opinion, and I, I, I that's an opinion that's shared by a lot of people. We've got we've got some of the greatest summers anywhere on earth. We have some of the greatest winters anywhere on earth. If you like cataclysmic winter events, we got that. Um, it's the fact that we've got history everywhere. As my man Dilla likes to say, as Sherman Dilla Thomas, everything that you love about America is because of Chicago. Everything. So <clears throat> what's not to love about it? I, I also know that there are a lot of problems and a lot of things in the city that we can make better. But what better place to do it? We're the home of, of everything. Timuel L. Black, Harold Washington. Um, if we really want to kind of go there, Marshall Field, you know, I mean, the philanthropy of the city, the, the pleasantness of Chicagoans, some of them, uh, are all things to love. I'm, I'm a fan, man. I'm just a big, giant billboard for the city. I even got it on my, my clothes. Yeah, you do. You were in Chicago. Uh, and uh, uh, you're a product of Chicago Public Schools. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, CBS. Uh, yes, sir. Chicago and, Vocational. Yes, all day. Yeah. So you even have Chicago in the name of the high school that you went to. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, and yet you're not afraid to be critical of Chicago politics. I've been on your absolutely show. Not. Uh, and so what is it about Chicago politics that could be improved? You saw, You talked about the flaws in Chicago politics. What is it about Chicago politics that could be improved? I think we need to... Pardon me. Begin looking outward a bit to see how other big cities are handling things like crime, uh, pensions, uh, their police. Um, how are people? How are people who don't have the the ways and means? How are they being treated? I think, and as much as it, it kind of, it's going to sound contradictory. Chicago is the most segregated city in the United States. It's very isolated in a lot of ways. COVID killed the vibe a little bit. There's still people trying to recover financially from what happened two, three years ago. Um, we were on a good path and then we got derailed a bit. I think people need to look really closely in this mayoral election that's coming up in a couple of months. Um, what do you want for the city long term? I think we voted for a vanity candidate. That's not a bad thing necessarily, but it doesn't work if you're if you're if you can't have a, a real conversation about crime in Chicago, if you can't have a real conversation about reopening all the mental health facilities that got closed in the city by Rahm Emanuel, if you can't have a real conversation about providing transit that's safe, public transit, in the greatest public transit city in America, then there, there, it's, a, it's a problem. And I don't know if the current administration is really ready to handle those problems because those problems are problems that people who live in the city genuinely would like to have resolved. Um, 
I don't think you can bully your way through your office. I do think you have to have a heavy hand and I do think you have to be stern. But I also think particularly with a city council that is seemingly frayed because a lot of aldermen are leaving. A lot of new aldermen are going to come. You have this this progressive council and an aggressive mayor. Those two things don't work. That's oil and water. Until we can figure out a way to smooth that out and change that conversation into how to make the city run properly, how to re-engage the citizens, and instead of central business business district to neighborhoods, neighborhoods, communities, into central business district. That's how Chicago can, can get back on its feet. You said something uh, at the top of that riff uh, that I wrote down I'd like you to elaborate a bit on. You said, we voted for a vanity candidate. What did you mean by that? Mayor, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, um, black woman, woman, lesbian. That, those are three very appealing things to the electorate. They just are. And it's great that we have her as mayor. No, no doubt. My only issue is how you govern dictates how this city runs. And I'm not sure if she was the right person for that job. Apparently she was because the whole city of Chicago, except for one ward, the ward I live in, said she was. But I think in retrospect, a lot of those people who voted for her then probably will not want to vote for her now. Uh, I guess you could put me in that category. Uh, I voted for her in 2019. Uh, this is a, a refrain on this show. Amari, I'll talk about it all the time. Uh, she sounded, she told me everything I wanted to hear in that campaign and then disappointed me when she was in office. Now, I cannot say with any certainty, uh, 100%, that I will not vote for her this time because, as you know, and all our listeners know, because I have very smart listeners, we have a runoff system. So I probably will not, very, very, very unlikely uh, that I will vote for Lori Lightfoot in the first round. But I, depending on who her opponent is in the second round, she may have my vote. So I guess that's my way of saying as bad as things are, they could get worse. Uh, Absolutely. But you know what, Ben? If, If this melange of candidates gets whittled down to three, maybe four, and then there's a runoff between her and Chewy Garcia, Chewy Garcia is probably going to give her the challenge of her life. And I think, I think, even though he didn't get the Chicago Teachers Union endorsement, which is big, but I think, and no disrespect to anybody that's in the CTU, because I'm a big supporter of CTU, I don't think that their reach is as big as Teamsters, UAW, and other big unions in our city, although it's, I think it's the biggest union in the city, I don't know if it will connect the same way uh, Jesus Chewy Garcia, who is going to run on the strength of being a Harold Washingtonite, that play is going to have a bigger hold on people my age and older who remember the Harold Washington administration from day one till it ended. I think he would be the mayor of the city of Chicago if there's a runoff between he and Lori Lightfoot. If he makes it that far, I think he's the one. 
Uh, a word about uh, Mario Smith. He's a young man compared to me. He was uh, 18 years old, 18 years old when Harold Washington was like the mayor city of Chicago uh, back in 1983. I, I was an old man uh, when Harold Washington got elected. Uh, let me see. Hold on. Let me do the math. A lot of math, a lot of caring, a lot of counting. Uh, I was, oh, good God, I was 27 years old. Uh, well, wait a minute. I'm 55 now. I was in high school in 83. 83. So was, yeah. You were a junior in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, I was, yeah, 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 yeah. That was junior. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. You wait, you graduated 85, correct? Yes. So you were a sophomore in high school. Good God. You were yes, a baby. Yeah. You weren't paying was, attention to it anyway. Were you paying attention to politics back then? I was actively helping Harold Washington get elected for mayor. We, I went down to the to his headquarters downtown, got posters, passed them out, um, ran his campaign at CVS. <laughs> I was his I was his campaign manager, um, and uh, caught a lot of flack for that too. And uh, and uh, yeah, I was in that campaign. My aunt was alive at the time, and she was affiliated with Operation Push. That's why I think any political leanings I have or trying to know or understand or analyze comes from her. So, yeah, I was in. I remember all of it. I remember seeing Al Raby walking around my neighborhood. Um, all of it, man. All of it. Dr. Black. Yeah, that, I, I was I was in that. I want to make an apology, my distinguished guest. I made you older than you are. You were 16. You yeah. were uh, 16. Uh, you gra- uh, I, my math was off. Usually my math is a, a razor sharp, but, but it was a little off today. I was in my feckless youth back then, Ben Jarofsky. <laughs> I was uh, a child. Al, Al Raby, what a legend. Al Raby was uh, a, a, an aide to Martin Luther King when Martin Luther King came to Chicago. Uh, organizing uh, throughout the South Side. They named a high. He died. He was Harold Washington's uh, campaign manager. Uh, he died, and they named a high school after him on the West Side. The great, the legendary uh, Al Rabian. Great man, really, really kind man. Um, yeah, that, that the climate back then, and, and Jesus Chuy Garcia was right there. Rudy Lozano, they were all there, um, and uh, that's why I really think. I think him running is a good thing. I think he'll be an excellent mayor for the city. Now, let me ask you about this. Uh, this is not the first time uh, Jesus Chuy Garcia has run for mayor. He ran in 2015, as you know, against Rahm Emanuel. Uh, and it, he made the runoff. He forced Rahm into a runoff. Uh, and in that runoff, I heard many voters tell me, uh, many black voters I'm talking about, they, they didn't want to hear Chuy Garcia talk about how he was an ally of Harold Washington. They wanted to know where Chewy Garcia was uh, on all the issues of the day right now and there and there. Now, I thought that was a little harsh. I must confess, Mario, I thought that was a little harsh because it was a big deal to be a, uh, an ally of Harold Washington. A lot of people said this, or young people didn't live through council wars. Do you understand what I'm saying? So they didn't realize like you're, you're kind of sticking your neck out to a certain degree. You're making a stand. Uh, uh, when you supported Harold Washington. And uh, when Jesus Garcia was elected in a special election, he, it enabled Harold Washington to get control. So it's no small thing to easily dismiss that he was an ally. Nonetheless, uh, there are people who have that uh, belief. What's your uh, reaction and response when you hear people say that? I think that at that time that was probably accurate. People probably felt that way because of the attachment still to Mayor Washington and people's feelings. 
But you're going to have to look over that now because there's a lot at stake in our city. And Jesus Chewy Garcia, if he ends up getting in that place, is someone that can say, listen, I know how to make this work. I was there when it was working. If you're going to judge me for being an ally of Harold Washington, that's a weird ass flex. <laughs> that's weird. If you're going to judge me for anything or, or try to hold me to the fire on anything, that's one thing. If you're asking me what I'm going to do as mayor, yes. But if you're upset because I'm going to use Harold Washington's name and to, to remind people that I know how it works, that's a weird flex to me. I would be, if I was running this campaign, which I am not, I would be all over the fact that Harold Washington was not just an ally for Latinos and black people, but for every community in Chicago. He wanted it to happen. And why can't that happen again? I don't know why the Rahm Emanuel uh, runoff did not go in Chewy's favor. It's, again, I think people's feelings at the time, we're in a whole different city than we were then. And that was just a few years ago. We're in a whole different Chicago now. I think people have a different sense of urgency that we didn't have then. And I think, and if this is not to just, to, and again, any criticism of Mayor Lightfoot isn't personal criticism. It's just, it's what it is. Um, I think being able to, being able to work that council to get things done is how this next mayor or Lori Lightfoot, if she remains mayor, it's how you get the city back in order. Burke is gone. You got a whole slew of aldermen that are gone. You're going to have a whole brand new council there. They were very much progressive. We don't know what this is going to look like after this election is over. Um, it's really important to have people in mind that are going to make sure that this city runs properly. Otherwise, it could be chaos and it could be an organized chaos, but it's still chaos. I don't know if people take Chewy out of it. I don't know if people want to go through another term with Lori Lightfoot as mayor. I don't know if they have the same energy that they had when she originally ran. And I think that will be the tale on the first election night, because there's too many candidates to believe that one person is going to win unless those signatures get challenged and uh, Willie Wilson and Jay Maul and some other folks are out, um, which I don't think that's going to happen either. Um, I think you'll get 11 people running, and I think from that 11, you'll get two or three to run in that runoff, and, or, or whoever gets that top 50 percentile, so two. So, you know, it, 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 it's going to be challenging I just think that an educated voter is a is a great asset to any um, to any part of this republic, whether you're voting nationally or locally. And if you vet your candidate and you're educated about them and what they do, you will have the candidate you want in that spot. All right. So uh, you uh, you gave us a couple examples of uh, what is on Chicagoans' mind. And I agree with you, it's on their mind. Uh, crime, uh, crime on the CTA. So if if it was uh, Mayor Mario Smith, as opposed to, uh, you know, talk show host Mario Smith or uh, nightclub operator Mario Smith, if you were Mayor 
uh, Mario Smith. What would you do uh, regarding crime on the CTA to encourage uh, more people to take uh, trains, buses, public transit? Go. Superintendent Brown wouldn't be the superintendent of police anymore. That would be my first thing I do on day one. And I would find someone within the ranks of the Chicago Police Department that the police, the men and women who work in those offices and on the street and and out here in tactical units and whatnot that they believed in. I would make it on. I would put it on them. Tell me who you want. Who should who should I hire to be your superintendent, your boss? Um, that's day one. And then I'm getting getting rid of harsh. I'm removing the person that runs the CTA as well. I'm going to do everything I can to find someone within their ranks that those people trust that will do that job properly. The problem with crime on the CTA is that it's unchecked. It's unchecked. If it's if you have the right situation and it's it's Chicago, there's so much happening in so many different corners of the city. But I know if the CTA and the police work together in a realistic way, you can solve this problem of crime on the CTA. I, I, not that long ago, we had 24-hour rails and buses to every part of the city. We don't have that anymore. I try to reinstate that. I think that along with additional police to ride those rails and those buses specifically 24 hours a day just to make people feel like if something happens, there's at least one policeman, maybe two, that can help me. I wouldn't put it on a private security firm. I wouldn't put it on having dogs on the trains. I wouldn't do any of that stuff if I could help it. I would put this on the Chicago Police Department and the CTA to figure out a way to fix this reasonably with the input of the public, of course. So uh, I'm with you. You know, there's a sense of... there's a a sense of people have of like of like they feel more secure uh, if they see an officer uh, on a, a train. I don't know if we can hire enough officers to fill every single train. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, but you can hire enough to make it a, a thing, and you can also make the punishment on those lines and those buses really really heavy because it's already pretty daunting. But even more so that if you commit a crime, you, you're never coming out of jail again, ever. Train lines are federal lines, so that's one thing. Make those same crimes and make them and boost that punishment, um, and you could, you know, avert some of this. Uh, when you hear candidates talk about crime in the city of Chicago, uh, are you confident uh, that they have an understanding of what, uh, what, uh, what life is like in high-crime areas, or do you no. think that... Okay, go ahead. Explain that. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> they absolutely do not. I, I, let me not say that. I think in this mayoral cycle, this race, there are those that absolutely do have it. But I don't think the current mayor has it. And I think that's a problem. I think she should have been a little bit more vociferous when Adam Toledo was murdered by the police. And I don't think she was as vociferous as she should have been. I think there have been times where she's made, boy, I feel like I'm getting myself in trouble. I feel like there were times that she's made, <laughs> she's made appearances after events have happened that look like photo ops. They don't look like, and I'm not saying she's not concerned because I, 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 I'm not inside of her head. I don't know that part, but I, the perception looks real odd to me. Anytime I see something and I go, that doesn't look right. I'm kind of like, that doesn't look right. So, you know, it's um, it's a thing. 
It's a thing. It's an absolute real live thing. I, I, I pray for my city every day. I just hope that whoever ends up being in this position to run the third largest city in the United States figures it out and ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask those people who live in the seven communities that are on the news every night, how can we fix this? What ideas do you have? I sit on a panel with D-Case where we talk about public art and it's going back into those communities like that. Start making this like, hey, look, tell us how we can make this correct. What can we do? Put together the panels with your artists and your local leaders and your activists and all those folks and get them to talk to the people of Chicago and say, what can we do to make it better? Even in the neighborhoods that are never on the news. How do we make this right? How do we make this right by you? How do we make this right by your children who will be the citizens of Chicago, hopefully, when they're in their 20s and 30s and raised families and whatnot? How do we make this right for them and you? Uh, all right, let's shift things to a national. I'd love to get your thoughts about the Georgia election that just went down. Uh, I can't shake that election. Uh, I was happy, obviously. I, Raphael Warnick was victorious for many, many reasons. Um, but I found the presence of Herschel Walker as a camp candidate uh, on the Republican side very dispiriting on many levels. Uh, and uh, we have this conversation all the time on this podcast. Uh, and I have this conversation in general all the time um, when I go on uh, like a TV Buchanan show at WVON uh, and the notion that uh, black voters should not just be diehard Democratic loyalists, that they uh, should let the Democrats know that they will vote Republican. But Mario, I submit to you, how can you legitimately ask black voters to vote for the Republican Party when the candidates they put up are like Herschel Walker. You can't. <laughs> We've seen enough. I think the the I think that there was a miscalculation in the calling of the death of the Republican Party when Obama got elected in his second term. I think you can say with great certainty now the Republicans are scrambling. They have no clue what to do. And really what they need to do is what they won't do. Embrace early voting, get more blacks involved and tell and show black people if this is really a thing, which I don't think it is, why being a Republican is valuable to them. I don't think they can do any of that because they have a massively. It's not even been, it's not benign at all. They have a tumor that has been untreated. And because it's been untreated, you get Donald Trump. And he's their leader. And as long as he's their leader, we're going to be where they are. This is where we are. And if he can grab a woman by her private parts, say he can kill somebody on Fifth Avenue and try to overthrow the government and still be considered a candidate for president, there's your problem. It's not black folks. Black people have been saving this electorate for a few decades now. Black women, I'm sorry. Black women have been saving the electorate for a minute. So now, I'm, you know, I'm going to I'm going to defer to my white friends and say, how are you guys going to fix this problem? <laughs> this ain't a black people problem. Latinos ain't no. If you put Herschel Walker out there, that means you think black people are stupid. They thought we were stupid. If Herschel Walker would have ran in a national election, he may have gotten 
the amount of votes he got in Georgia, and that would have been it. Because people recognize stupidity when they see it. And Dave Chappelle was absolutely correct. He's observably stupid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was... Uh, I mean, was you know, they, you, you, can't, you cannot <laughs> run a person against Raphael Warnock simply because we got to beat Raphael Warnock. Run somebody up against him that's going to stick to an issue and tell the people of Georgia why you should vote for him. They're, all, they're as bad as the people who vote um, for vanity candidates. They threw that black man up there knowing good and full well, or thinking rather, that people were stupid. They couldn't have thought he was going to win that election. There's no way that they thought. And what was he going to do when he got to the Senate? Whatever he was told. <laughs> exactly. So if, if, if you're telling me that the tenets of white supremacy have gotten so far out of hand that they can't even control their own supremacy because they put a ding dong out to be a candidate, man, I'm good. This ain't a black people issue. Good luck. Good luck, whites. Make it happen. Fix it. You know, it was a great riff, by the way. Uh, but you made a distinction that I, I'm going to push back on. You know, I, I I don't think black men voted for Herschel Walker because I hear this all the time. Black women vote more for Stacey Abrams than black men did. Uh, black women and always like uh, voted more for Rafael Warnock uh, than black men. I, I I don't know who came up with that one. I don't believe it's a real thing. Go ahead. I will tell you. My bosses just walked out. <laughs> I will tell you that black men do not vote in the numbers that we should be voting at. So I'm pretty confident that the black male vote is underutilized or the black male voter is underutilized. And that is a major issue for every campaign moving forward. Black women, not a problem voting. Black seniors, not a problem voting. Young black people, men and women, no problem. But there's a segment of black men, I'll say between 35 and 55, that won't. No matter what you tell them, no matter how you play it, they aren't going to vote. So once, that'll be on us then. Once black people figure out a way to really explain the vetting process, the, the idea of not picking a candidate because they're handsome or cute, but being able to, what are you talking about? How are you going to help me economically? And how are you going to make my public safety a priority? You know, you can't offer, you know, a, what was it? A chicken in every pot? I wasn't alive then, but whatever he said didn't work. <laughs> that's, not, that's not realistic. But you can put a candidate out there that absolutely looks like you, that has your interest that probably comes from where you come from and not be observably stupid and not look, I heard a joke and it messed my head up. What's the difference between a high chair and Herschel Walker? A high chair supports children. Oh, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Where'd you, you hear know? that one? <laughs> hey, uh, I, 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 yeah. One of the best jokes I've heard in my life. Yeah. I loved it. Uh, Every second of it. Uh, all right, I know you got to go. Uh, you're busy, and I appreciate you taking the time. Why don't you give a shout-out, uh, The Promontory, anything uh, you want people to know about The Promontory 
uh, in Hyde Park, some events, uh, shows coming up that you want to pr- uh, If my promote. mouth hasn't gotten me fired, uh, promontorychicago.com is where you can get all the information about all the stuff we're doing. Uh, my show, News from the Service Entrance, is on Lumpin Radio, our radio home, Benny. Um, uh, um, Thursday afternoons at 2 p.m. on lumpinradio.com and on lumpintv.org. I have a podcast that I do with The Silver Room called Randomly Selected, where I interview people. I don't share my crazy thoughts. And I have another podcast I'm on called Who You Got with Mike and Mario with uh, musician Michael Lockett. And uh, I'm a fan of yours, man. I have been for a long time. And when I saw you the other night, that was a good feeling. I hadn't seen you in person in a long time. So I'm so happy for you and the stuff you're doing on your podcast and and everything, man. It's always, always, always good to see you. And I appreciate you putting up with my technological, um, you know, I'm old, so I don't know how this works. But thanks for (laughs) helping me. Uh, (laughs) So I don't want to hear the old stuff because you're younger than me. If you're old, then I'm ancient. Uh, And I just want to say I w- we were we did first Tuesdays at the Promontory uh, last Tuesday. We uh, recorded it. Uh, we'll be dropping that uh, sometime in the, the week or so, so everybody can hear the show we alluded to. Uh, Mario, thank you very much for taking time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. All right, that's great, Mario Smith. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. find cars like these on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader